you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. I think I've been saying 2023. I think I just caught myself just right now. Whoops. It's 2024. I'm probably going to make this mistake for the next uh, 11 months or so. And then I'll get the hang of it right before 2025. That's my guess. But the feast of today is Our Lady of the Privileges. So this story is incredibly interesting. Happening in 1224. A novice in the Franciscan Monastery of Alenquir in Portugal, was given a peculiar penance by the master of the novices. We see this particular novice was incredibly holy, and he mm, had a little bit of scruples. So he committed a minor fault, and he confessed it to his master, uh, novice master and begged for punishment. So what did the novice master do? The novice master told him, to stay at the altar of Our Lady until she reveals to her to him her favorite prayer. Oof! Imagine getting that as your penance. If you come out of the confessional and your, your the father says, "For your penance, I need you to go and kneel before the statue of Our Lady and ask her what her favorite prayer is," and you cannot leave until she reveals it to you. You're thinking to yourself, "I'm going to be here forever." So. He goes and he kneels down before the image of Our Lady and he seems to pray endlessly for hours and hours. He would pray the rosary and as the rosary was finished, he would still be kneeling there before the image of Our Lady. People would come into the chapel to do the office and he'd still be kneeling there. People went off to go get their meals and he was still kneeling before the image of Our Lady. Soon the sun began to set, and he still had not received an answer. And the brothers were all asleep. The monastery was so quiet he could hear the creaking and groaning of the furniture, could hear the sounds of the animals outside. It was as if he was completely isolated and all alone. And he still had not heard an answer. And at the moment... Whenever he felt like he could not be there any longer, he said to Our Lady, O most holy virgin, mother of pity, I humbly beg thee to manifest to this thy servant what the master commanded me by obedience to ask of thee, blessed mother. I will not leave from this place without an answer. And then a great marvel. Behold, the queen of the angels who, inclining forward from the altar where she stood, responded, Go, beloved son, and tell your master that the hymn, O Gloriosa Domina, that the church sings to me is amongst all the prayers, the one that most pleases me. And to prove that what I say to you is true, this my infant, who until now I held in my right arm, I now pass to my left arm. For this reason, you may go with confidence and give my response for when we all all will see such an extraordinary marvel, they will believe what you say 
So go and invite the master and all other religious to come and visit me. So, of course, the novice runs to his master's bedside and wakes him up and tells him about what happened. The novice master, believing him immediately, wakes up all the brothers and they process into the chapel, chanting the O Gloriosa Domina. And as they come in, they see that the statue had the infant child Jesus in the other arm. You could see where the, ar- the statue used to have the infant child in the arms itself confirming the truth of Our Lady's revelation. From thence on, it became a huge devotion within that monastery to continue singing that at least every single week at the procession and on every Saturday before or after Compline, rather. Normally, people sing uh, the Salve Regina after Compline. They sang this song after Compline. And St. Anthony would develop a deep devotion to this hymn and would sing it constantly in great difficulties and he would sing it and causing the devils to flee during many of St. Anthony's challenges. So what should we ask from Our Lady of the Privileges? Let's ask that she grant us great privileges. Let us ask her for great things. Let's ask her to perform miracles in our times. And let's ask her to give us the privilege of being a child of Mary. Ask her to give us the privilege of having an ever-increasing devotion to her. Our Lady of the Privileges, pray Pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. I can't say that I've ever had such a uh, difficult penance like that. (laughs) Oh, man. How did he eat? How did he drink? He did it. How did he go to the bathroom? He Uh, did it. Wow. For almost 24 hours. Wow. Kneeling before the statue. 24. That's crazy. Well, if you take that into consideration, I suppose that is kind of fast, right? I guess. Yeah, I guess considering <laughs> the miracle that you're asking for. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but you know, what's crazy is he's not even a saint. We have no idea who that novice is. Hmm. Yeah, we have no clue who that is. I'm, I'm sure if, like maybe the tradition, like people in that monastery probably know who he is, but he's not publicly known or publicly venerated. Pretty, Here today, pretty wild, huh? Gone tomorrow. There you go. Boom. True. I have you ever heard the song O Gloriosa Domina? No. We should sing it in the after show. Yeah, maybe we'll do that because I've actually only heard it today for the first time. Huh. As I was reading it, I pulled it up on YouTube and started listening to it, and I was like, huh. I've literally never heard this before. And then the room started glowing. I wish. And our lady came. Imagine? I would I'll be cool. freak out a little bit. I don't know if yeah. I'm holy enough to endure that, to be uh, honest. I would be kind of scared, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she would. Uh, it'd be like uh, the angels appearing. Do not be afraid. It's kind of hard. It's kind of like, hard to not be afraid. Like TBH, right I'm a little afraid. <laughs> uh, do you really need that many eyes? That <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, incorporal being. There you go, folks. <laughs> well, Rudy, I have good news um, because right now we're actually still in Epiphany Tide. We're still celebrating the Epiphany, still celebrating Christmas all the way to February 2nd. And the good news is that if you forgot to give Christmas gifts, because Christmas came early this year, you can always do a pay it forward campaign and buy a raffle ticket for somebody else as a gift so that they can win a brand new Mercedes Benz. And all you have to do is go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle to do so. We're trying to 
to cultivate a thousand pay it forward ticket sales. And right now we have 88. So hopefully somebody can uh, buy a really cool gift for someone and get those tickets for someone else. I think that'd be a really cool thing to do. Amen. Generosity can really change the world. And so we uh, we want to offer this opportunity, this pay it forward campaign uh, so that you can pick up a ticket for somebody, you know, you love uh, somebody who needs a car. And uh, hopefully you never know. Chances are pretty good. They might win a car, a brand new 2024 Mercedes Benz GLB 250. It's going to be awesome. Uh, GRNonline.com forward slash raffle is the website to go and check out if you want to get tickets for yourself. All right. Sounds good. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about Cardinal Sarah. He just put out an awesome talk and we'll read some portions of it. And also, did you hear about the plagiarism scandal that's happening in Harvard University? That's a big deal. We're going to talk about that as well. At 30 past the hour, Joe Crawl is going to be on with us again to talk about surrogacy. This is a huge topic right now. And I'm happy to hear that people are starting to starts to speak out against it because it is becoming more popular and that's no bueno in the next hour adam Bly with the spirit world will be joining us and of us always we have our fear and trembling game show but let's begin with prayer we're gonna be praying for your intentions we're gonna be praying for the salvation of souls the liberty and exaltation of holy mother church for our friends family and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for We'll pray the divine praises as an act of reparation against the blasphemies against the most holy name of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Blessed be God, blessed be his holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be his most sacred heart, blessed be his most precious blood, blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar, blessed be the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, Blessed be the great mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, virgin and mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are just some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. Cardinal Filoni warns that Christians in the Holy Land are feeling the dearth of pilgrims. The Christian minority is feeling the effects of the lack of pilgrimages due to the war between Israel and Hamas. Nearly 5,000 Christians have lost their jobs in Bethlehem alone. The Grand Master of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre, Cardinal Fernando Filoni, explained that the absence of pilgrimages pilgrimages is not only felt from a religious point of view, but also economically with serious repercussions on families, especially those who make their living from this contact with pilgrims. However, he noted that in the midst of isolation, a very strong sense of prayer has developed among Christians. This spiritual sustenance has not been lacking from all of those who in some way have accompanied us in our journey, he said. And the Biden administration leaves Nigeria, the world's most dangerous place to be a Christian, off the religious freedom list. The U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom immediately criticized the Secretary of State Anthony Blinken for once again leaving Nigeria off the State Department's annual list of countries of particular concern for religious oppression. In the 2023 edition of its World Watch List, religious freedom group Open Doors estimated that nearly 90% of the Christians killed for their faith last year were killed in Nigeria, 
The Christian aid group International Christian Concern identified Nigeria as, quote, the world's most dangerous place to be a Christian in the world in 2023, unquote. And Pope Francis calls surrogacy deplorable, calls for global ban in speech to ambassadors. He says, quote, the path to peace calls for respect for life, for every human life, starting with the life of the unborn child in the mother's womb, which cannot be suppressed or turned into an object of trafficking, he said, uh, January 8th. The Pope then called on the international community to prohibit the practice of surrogacy universally, saying, quote, At every moment of his existence, human life must be preserved and defended. Yet I note with regret, especially in the West, the continued spread of a culture of death, which in the name of a false compassion discards children, the elderly, and the sick. We're going to have a conversation about surrogacy at 35 past the hour. Make sure to stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel today comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Now, this, of course, is the story of our Lord driving out a man with unclean spirits, or rather, driving out the spirit from the man, not driving out the man. Now, this story, of course, is repeated in one other place in Luke. Now, there is another place in Matthew where we see another demoniac, but these are actually two different instances. So, he says he cries out in the spirit by the mouth of the man that possessed as though he were suffering torment for the scholastics say as though in pain because they cannot bear the presence of the savior. This shows that our Lord had complete power over the demons. He did not need to exert any effort. Didn't need to try at all. His very presence were the torments of the demons. Now in verse 24, it says, what have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Has art thou come to destroy us? Now, what's interesting here is that Cornelius Lapide points out that the demons here were technically doing nothing wrong. He says, we're not attacking you, Jesus. We are attacking sinners who are, as it were, our own. We have no contention with thee. Do not thou then contend with and destroy us. That's very interesting because it shows how when we are in mortal sin, we are of the property of the devil. And it is only by mercy that our Lord desires to save us, that he prevents ourselves from being possessed, that he prevents us from being tormented by the demons. And so the demons say as much here. And what does our Lord do? He silences them. He does not let them flatter him. He does not take their provocation, but instead he drives them out and in great pain and torment. For you were either with him or you were against him. He did not come to bring peace with the sword. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. Many people, especially young people in our culture today, are feeling fragmented and lost. They don't know who they are or where they belong. We can see this in an extreme form in the identity politics in our culture today. Without a strong family identity, people see connection and belonging in other places. It's the job of parents to give their children their identity and their mission. Families do this through their individual family culture. Your family culture, which includes daily routines as well as traditions, ultimately communicates a deep sense of belonging for your children. This sense of belonging as well as identity is essential for each person's feeling of worthiness and healthy human development. 
Having this security enables a person to engage with the world wholeheartedly and ready to love. Our identity shouldn't come from whatever social group we are part of, but instead from the fact that we all come from a family, our family on earth and our family in heaven. For more resources on building your family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to invite you to listen to A Life Lived Joyfully, a show where we explore the call to holiness and a life of virtue. Join our hosts, Martha Fernandez Sardina, Monsignor Charles Pope, Steve Gleason, and Sarah Soto, as they discuss ways to live an authentic Catholic life, to strive for holiness and grow in virtue. Tune in Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can also be a part of the conversation with questions or comments at 877-757-9424. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be with you, but especially during Epiphany Tide. Did you remember to give a gift on Epiphany? Hmm. Maybe you forgot. The good news is we can still keep celebrating the Feast of the Epiphany. And here's a suggestion. You can go as... Go out and maybe, I don't know, get someone a gift card or, I don't know, write a card and draw also draw on it. It'll be really, that'd be a nice gift. But here's another suggestion. If you go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle, you can actually give a gift of an opportunity to win a brand new Mercedes Benz. That's right. You can give someone the gift of an opportunity to win a brand new car. All you have to do is go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and you buy a ticket for somebody else. It's a pay it forward campaign and you can get it as a gift for someone that you know that might need or maybe just wants a brand new Mercedes Benz. So praise be to God. Check it out. grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Okay, on to this story. Cardinal Sarah speaks out against clergy blessing same-sex unions. This was published by, I think it's actually National Catholic, uh, the CNA, but I'm just reading it from National Catholic Register. And here it talks about Cardinal Sarah's reflection on the same-sex blessings in regards to the truth. And I think this is a very, very interesting way that Cardinal Sarah presents it. Now, Cardinal Sarah, of course, many people will remember who he is. He was probably one of the most well-loved prelates by the conservatives for years. He was the head of the Congregation of Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments under Benedict and for a good time under Francis as well. So it is very, very interesting that he comes out and he says what he says. So we'll read this article to you. It says, Cardinal Robert Serra responds to the controversial Vatican declaration that allows clergy to bless same-sex couples in certain scenarios by instructing the faithful to, quote, respond to confusion with the word of God, end quote, in a January 6th reflection. He says here, quote, we do not oppose Pope Francis, but we firmly and radically oppose a heresy that seriously undermines the church. The body of Christ, because it is contrary to the Catholic faith and tradition, end quote. This is a very strong statement 
from Cardinal Sarah. And Cardinal Sarah has a reputation for not speaking out. He People would make a joke about the fact because he wrote a book on silence and say, oh, he's taking his book seriously because he would oftentimes controversy would pop up and he would say nothing. He would just keep to himself. He There might be rumors that he said something privately to somebody, but publicly he would keep very low uh, profile. And so the fact that he's speaking out at all recently and he's speaking out, this is probably the second or third time in recent times where he's spoken out publicly. It's very interesting, to say the least. Now, Cardinal Sarah is getting a little bit up there in age. He's 78 at this point, and it is, um, he's definitely past the age of electoral. Like, he can't, he can't vote for the next pope. So that's already, um, done and gone. So I guess he has less to lose, maybe, or maybe things are just gotten to the point where he's saying it's so bad, I can't stay silent anymore. He goes on, he says, quote, the truth is the first of the mercies that Jesus offers to the sinner. The freedom we must offer to people living in homosexual unions lies in the truth of the word of God. How could we dare to make them believe that it would be good and desired by God for them to remain in the prison of their sin? End quote. The article goes on, while bishops globally are divided on the declaration, many Catholic bishops across Africa have publicly rejected the controversial fiducia supplicants. Several bishops' conferences in Africa asked priests to refrain from offering same-sex blessings in recent weeks, while other bishops instructed the clergy in their diocese to not give blessings to same-sex couples. In his address, Cardinal Sarah encouraged, quote, Every bishop to do the same, end quote. And this is in response to the Episcopal conferences of Cameroon, Chad, and Nigeria, who all came out in agreement to do not do these same-sex blessings. Cardinal Sarah noted that the declaration, quote, has not been able to correct these errors, end quote. This is important because he's here referring to the church in Germany, the synodal way in Germany. Because many people were coming out and saying, no, this is actually Pope Francis is trying to to try to get ahead of the German bishops and say, well, you know, we can't be doing same sex marriages, but, you know, same sex blessings. It just kind of depends. And Cardinal Sarah is saying, no, 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 no. This is not correcting these errors. This is not what's happening. And if it was their intention, then it's failing miserably. In March 2023, the article goes on, the Germanal Synodal Way, a collaboration between the German Bishop Conference and a powerful lay lobby, ZDK, approved developing formalized ritual texts for same-sex blessings. The Vatican Declaration allows for, quote, spontaneous blessings, but not liturgical ones. But in Cardinal Sarah's view, the Vatican Declaration has made things worse. What's more, with its lack of clarity, it has only amplified the confusion that reigns in hearts, and some even seized it to support their attempt at manipulation, Cardinal Sarah wrote. He wrote that, quote, vain quibbles about the meaning of the word blessing should be avoided, end quote. I think this is important to keep in mind as well, because this document has made people try to try to nuance things and try to t- pick it apart and try to interpret it in the most orthodox way possible. And Cardinal Sarah is very clearly saying, look, it's scandalizing the faithful. 
the theologians can quibble all they want about it, but it is offensive to pious ears. It's offending the faithful's ears. And so because of this, we should not be quibbling over the meaning of words and instead make it clear to the faithful. And people who say that it is clear to the faithful, that it's, everything is, is good, everything is fine, well, they're simply gaslighting the faithful. And I think that's something that we don't want. Clarity is charity. To put ambiguity around things only causes people great sadness, sorrow, has their souls and their minds and their hearts like a tempest. And we don't want that. He said, while he noted that blessings for sinners are a given, Cardinal Sarah emphasized that the church, quote, can never be diverted by making it a legitimation of sin, of the structure of sin, or even of the next occasion of sin, end quote. That's excellently put. He says, Cardinal Sarah reflected that the church should respond to same-sex couples with the mercy of truth, quote, what to say to people involved in same-sex union? Like Jesus, we dare the first of mercies, the objective truth of acts. The only thing to ask of people who are in a relationship against nature is to convert and conform to the word of God, end quote. Thank you. Thank you. That is very clear. That is very charitable. It is not charitable to make people who are in unions that are sinful to encourage them to stay in those unions or to make it seem like it might be okay or to emphasize the good elements of that relationship. No, because the good elements of a bad situation will not save you. At the end of the day, if you die in one mortal sin, you will be damned. And the good elements of that sin are not going to save you. They will not save you. And so it is not charitable to tell people, well, you, you're fornicating with your girlfriend, but, you know, you love your girlfriend, you pay for her food, you take care of her. And that's really positive. No, instead, you should tell them you have to stop committing mortal sins. It has to stop because you will be damned if you die in that situation. Now, Cardinal Sarah it says here in the article, who was born and raised in Guinea, recalled Pope Benedict XVI's instruction to Africa to be the spiritual lung of humanity in contrast to the nihilism, materialism, and relativism affecting the West. Quote, the Church of Africa is the voice of the poor, the simple, and the small. End quote. Cardinal Sarah wrote, noting that it has to, to proclaim the gospel to Western Christians who, quote, believe themselves to be evolved, modern, and wise of the wisdom of the world. It is therefore not surprising that the bishops of Africa in their poverty are today the heralds of this divine truth in the face of the power and wealth of some episcopates of the West. End quote. Hoo-wee. There you go. Cardinal Sarah is with a killer article right there. I recommend people go and read the entirety of his article, his reflection. It was absolutely beautiful. It was written in Italian, so you have to run it through a translator if you want to read the whole thing because only portions of it were put out by uh, the National Catholic Register. You know, it's always like um, – it's always the quiet guy who's got the most things to say. 
Huh? He's like, he's like, ah, that guy never talks, but when he opens his mouth, he says something really real, something really true, something that just kind of grabs you by the gut. So I'm glad he broke the silence this time. Yeah, and you know it's funny you say that because I mean you 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 can tell that he, this came from quite a bit of reflection mm-hmm. that he thought about this for quite some time before saying anything, and it is clear, it is straightforward, it is charitable, and it is what we need from our church. Well discerned. Have I ever mentioned that I love the church in Africa? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just the church in Africa is just killer, man. Like they are out there defending the truths of the faith and they give really a lot of hope to the West. Just like Benedict the 16th said, they are the spiritual lung of humanity right now. Mm. I remember talking to, um, I don't even want to say her name. I'm going to butcher her name. There is a, a woman, a pro-life advocate in Africa. And she was talking about the situation in Africa in comparison to the West. And she said, look in Africa, We have tons of problems. There's killings, starvation, thirst. (coughs) But we don't have abortion. We don't have the homosexual issues. We don't have the Hollywood issues. And we don't need your problems. We have our own problems. Stop trying to import Western problems into Africa. And I thought that was incredibly eye-opening. We look at Africa as this backwards country that is uh, so underdeveloped. And yeah, sure, maybe they might not have fast cars and iPhones and TV. But morally, I think we're the backwards ones. And I think that's what really matters at the end of the day. So let's look to the church in Africa for inspiration. We'll be right back right after this with more breaking news and stories from Rudy Carlos and what's the church's teaching on surrogacy all this coming up I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Hi, this is Wyatt Goolsby, Executive Director for the Guadalupe Radio Network Station here in Houston. I am pleased to announce that we have an opening for a general manager to work in the Houston studio with me and the team. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate striving for the highest level of professionalism, competence, ethics, and Catholic values. GRN is dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. The GRN offers a competitive salary and benefits package. If you are an active and faithful Catholic and want to explore a career with the Guadalupe Radio Network, you can submit your resume and a cover letter describing why you want to come to work for the GRN at careers at grnonline.com. That's careers at grnonline.com. Thank you and God bless. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. The Canadian cabinet minister 
has allegedly received uh, election backing from communist China in 2019, according to a report. One of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's top ministers was called out as having allegedly received support from the Chinese Communist Party in the 2019 Canadian federal election. According to a report from the Bureau, Liberal Cabinet Minister Mary Ning in 2019 was a person of interest among 11 other candidates who allegedly received CCP support, according to testimony from three Canadian Security Intelligence Services services uh, sources. Though uh, actually through its United Front, the CCP was known to secretly fund candidates. The United Front is a political strategy aiming to network key people and groups to serve and promote CCP interests abroad. Really concerning story there. But you know what isn't concerning? <coughs> the fact that you can still get uh, Christmas gifts. Give them to your friends and family because it's still Christmas. Did you forget to give somebody a gift? Uh, well, I know Christmas isn't about giving gifts. It's purely about that, like our secular brother and make it out to be. But really, it's not too late to give a great gift because we have a pay it forward campaign going on here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. And you can give the gift of a raffle ticket for our 2024 Mercedes-Benz GLB 250. You can grab one for yourself or uh, grab a couple for your favorite person who you think needs a car. You can purchase tickets for $25 a piece or save and buy five for 100 You can easily purchase your tickets at grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Uh, those are all of your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time and may God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, before we jump into our story about a surrogacy, I did want to mention about the Harvard situation. Do you, did you hear that story about the ex-president Claudine Gay of Harvard? She was a the president of Harvard, and the situation was... The reason why she kind of got media attention was because she was kind of saying that you can call for a Holocaust of Jews and that would not violate Harvard's policies against hate speech. And that's kind of what got her on the on the radar of people to begin with. And whenever she did that, people finally were receptible to the other allegations against her because even from the moment that she was brought up as someone who they might want to pitch as the president of Harvard, people started pointing out that she was a plagiarist and she had plagiarized much of her work. And Chris Rufo, he was showing forth a ton of things that she put out recently and kept on hammering the point home. And it got to the point that many people on the left were defending her, which is crazy because plagiarism is the biggest crime you can commit in academia. There is not a larger crime in academia that you can commit than plagiarism. In fact, I remember in college, and I'm not an academic by no stretch of the imagination, but I remember in college, I got in trouble one time. For plagiarizing, but who was I plagiarizing? I plagiarized myself. And I didn't realize that you could plagiarize yourself. I just kind of, I guess I just didn't think about that. And I got in trouble in class because they said, yeah, you um, cited something that you said in another paper 
and you didn't cite yourself. And I was like, oh, I didn't know I had to cite myself whenever I quoted myself. I was like, okay, well, now I know. And that was a big deal. And so the fact that Clouding Gay um, steals people's acknowledgments, even, that is a huge deal. And it really just shows you that the elite universities, Harvard, Yale, and the Princeton, all these major universities, they may still have the name recognition. They do not have the prestige that they once had. I know the better universities that I personally respect are universities that are much more small, liberal arts universities like Hillsdale College. I have some friends that graduated from there. And universities like that, much respect, much, much respect. Harvard, Yale, I don't really care. If you went there, I, that doesn't really, doesn't really give that prestige that what once did. So let's keep that in mind as we look toward the coming school year. And for people who are wanting to send their kids to college, maybe a small, cheaper liberal arts university would be better than a woke university that doesn't think plagiarism is bad anymore. So let's keep that in mind as we go forward and kids start applying to colleges and things like that. But joining us right now is Joe Crawl. And we're talking about surrogacy. Joe Crawl is the founder and president of the Society of St. Sebastian. And they're dedicated to advancing the knowledge of pro-life legislation and laws. Good morning to you, Mr. Crawl. Good morning. Good morning to everybody. Praise be to God. It's good to have you back on. Now, the issue of surrogacy, this is a a big deal. I brought it up a couple times in the past. And one thing that I bring up is the prevalence in which we started seeing this come up in conversation. I started seeing billboards in Houston. When I drove to San Antonio, I saw it there. I was driving through Pittsburgh and I saw it there. And it's all over the country. Billboards advertising Mm -hmm. for surrogates. And I think this is becoming more and more popular. Tell me about this problem of surrogacy, Mr. Crawl. Well, surrogacy is sort of an interesting phenomenon in in many respects. Um, It's been around for many, many, many decades. Uh, For the most part, it really started in the 80s. So, uh, like I said, it's been around. And typically what happens uh, with surrogacy, just uh, in case you have some listeners that aren't too familiar with it, is is you might have a couple. Uh, So in today's world, that might be a heterosexual couple, a married couple, uh, a same-sex couple. um, And for whatever reason, uh, the woman is either uh, unwilling, uh, the wife, uh, uh, or unable, or in a case of a same-sex, uh, you know, two males that are in a relationship, just not able to carry uh, this child. So they hire uh, literally someone uh, to come and carry their child uh, for them. So uh, typically, uh, the vast majority of states out there have uh, what are called gestational contracts, where they contract with this surrogate mother uh, to carry the child to term. And she delivers the child, and uh, the child is then uh, placed with the parents. Uh, that's the typical sort of phenomenon that we see with respect to surrogacy. There's all sorts of other uh, uh, issues that sort of impact the decision for a surrogate mother to become a surrogate mother. Uh, 
uh, more times than not, they're not doing it out of any sort of uh, charity for the the couple that's trying to have the child. In, in a lot of ways, this person is hired out because they themselves, the surrogate mother themselves, might be in financial straits, and this is just a, a good way to earn money. You know, it's interesting because I started seeing posts on social media of people talking about their surrogacy experiences. And it's really strange because it seems that there is massive targeting of young people to encourage them to get into this business. In fact, I had a friend at a college campus in Arizona tell me that they were approached by someone because they had really good grades they're fairly attractive, and they were told, okay, well, uh, would you carry our child for $75,000? And that's like mind-blowing money to a college student who maybe has debt, who is struggling to, to pay for the things they need to pay for, and they're told, I'll give you $75,000 if you carry this child. That is flabbergasting. And are we seeing this become more and more popular right now? Or is this kind of the same as always? And now we're just paying more attention to it. Well, I think it is becoming a little bit uh, more popular um, in some ways. Uh, the, the practice really hasn't changed too much, um, but uh, we're seeing more prevalence of it. Um, as I said, you know, you're, we're seeing states that are now, uh, for example, requiring um, insurance uh, companies to cover like IVF costs and other uh, reproductive technology costs, which would include surrogacy. Um, as a result, it certainly uh, gives people an incentive, if you will, uh, to engage in this practice. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely increasing, not to mention um, with celebrities who are, who are basically publicizing uh, their surrogacy experiences and and so forth. More and more people are are getting involved. Absolutely. And when we come back, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about how we argue about surrogacy in the public sphere or and and with individuals. It's always a little bit different when you're arguing generally versus in particular with individuals. So we're going to talk about some maybe some apologetics against surrogacy coming up right after the, the break. Don't go anywhere. What is the church's teaching on surrogacy? All this with Mr. Joe Crawl with the Society of St. Sebastian right after this. Catholic Radio gives us something all day, every day to fill our lives with our faith. We are completely inundated by the world constantly every time you go out shopping the music that's playing the the visuals that you see tv everything we need catholicism filling our minds the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul one year after i graduated catholic high school i eloped to las vegas nevada my husband was not Catholic, and at the time, I didn't really think that it really mattered which church we went to because we all loved God and we all loved Jesus, and that was the start of my journey out of the Catholic Church, where I remained out of the Catholic Church for over 30 years. When I um, started to read the Bible, I could see that our Catholic faith is steeped in Scripture. I could see some of the sacraments in Scripture. I could see some of the liturgy in Scripture. 
I learned that the Catholic Church was started by Jesus Christ who gave the authority to Peter and it has continued in succession down to the present day. And that was the start of my journey home to the Catholic Church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be with you. I thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Giving me some of your time today to spend with me. It's very kind of you. So thank you. Uh, Joining us right now is Mr. Joe Crawl. He's the founder and president of the Society of St. Sebastian. They're dedicated to probing and advancing the knowledge of pro-life legislation and laws. And today we're talking about surrogacy. And in the last segment, we kind of talked about the movement of surrogacy in the United States and how it became prevalent. It's been around for a little while, but it's starting to gain a little bit more attention in recent days. Now, Mr. Crawl, tell me about the actual surrogacy itself and what the church is teaching is on this topic because many people will immediately say well we're the church is pro-life and we're making more life therefore this must be good right mr crawl <laughs> you know that's usually the 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 I, I guess you could say the common perception in many respects uh, the, the end result is a baby right and so a lot of people will go oh that's a good thing a baby is a good thing um but really, when it comes to surrogacy uh, and so forth, the gist is is that no, it is not a moral <laughs> good. And so uh, we we really got to look about this. And and this really kind of goes back to the theology of the body, uh, uh, the the morality regarding the sexual act, how the sexual act is meant to be between husband and wife because it's the fully giving. It's the uniting and the fully giving of the spouses to to one another that's open uh, to life. Um, One of the things that I think when it it comes to this idea of surrogacy is is that we got to understand the idea of rights. So, for example, uh, we can talk about how the child has a right to a mom and a dad. I think that's that's very important. Today, I think many people have a convoluted, uh, certainly a misinformed idea of rights. They tend to think of rights as desire. I want to do this. I, I desire to do this. And so therefore, it's a right. And that's just simply not the case. We, we got to recognize that rights derive from moral duties. You know, I have a moral duty to protect innocent human life. And so, therefore, a right to life develops because of that moral duty. Um, Long story short, since a child has a right to a mom and dad, they don't have a right to a biological mom, biological dad, and a surrogate mother, so to speak. That that convolutes the whole notion uh, of rights. And uh, furthermore, a lot of people today will sit there and talk about, you know, their desire to have a child. And so therefore they'll talk about, I have a right to a child. You got to be very careful with that. I don't have the the duty. I do not have the moral duty to provide you with a child. I do not have the moral duty to provide my, my gamete cells. You know, uh, if you're male, that means sperm. If that, if you're a female, that means your egg cells. I do not, we do not have these duties to provide these sorts of things uh, to infertile couples. 
So we got to be very careful uh, when we say, you know, I have a right to a child. Uh, re in reality, children are gifts. They're not rights. And so uh, that's that's one of the big things that we, we fundamentally need to make a distinction here is that uh, the child is the one that really has the rights. He has a right to his mom and he has a right to his dad. Mm -hmm. uh, he does not need to be in a situation that's very convoluted. And the more we learn about embryology, we, we know that these children, when they're developing in utero, um, develop attachments, especially to to that mother, to that surrogate mother. And then they're stripped away uh, uh, from this sort of situation. Um, you know, this is the this is the only person that they've come to know in many respects. Um, if there was, you know, for example, if there was a if the surrogate mother has a husband, even that unborn child gets to know, you know, that husband's voice and so forth. So there's all sorts of problems that you're dealing with here when it comes to the idea of surrogacy. Um, a lot of people will try to argue, well, it's just like adoption. No, it's not. Adoption is there to correct a bad situation, right? Uh, adoption is there because something has happened with the mother's life that she can't take care of this child. And so she wants the best for her child and she wants to give that child to a mom and a dad uh, that's gonna raise that child. A surrogacy creates a problem by, <laughs> by literally intentionally implanting this child within the womb of the surrogate, having the baby develop and then stripping it away, intentionally stripping it away. Uh, to to parents. Uh, one of the other things that we we fundamentally need to know some of the just sort of pragmatic problems with surrogacy is that uh, in many ways, since this is sort of a contract situation, well, not sort of, it is a contract situation. <clears throat> there may be demands that are uh, put upon the surrogate that she doesn't want to do. So, for example, if the child uh, is found out to have some sort of genetic abnormality. Um, the surrogate might be coerced or pressured into an abortion because that's not what the intended parents want to have, right? So there are all sorts of pragmatic issues uh, that we've got to deal with here. But I think fundamentally um, what we can say here is since we know um, the fundamental idea of rights, um, we, we can say that this is a, a true violation of this child's rights uh, more than anything. Um, we always put the child's needs uh, before, you know, the parent's needs or, you know, what they want and what they desire and so forth. You know, we don't sit there and tell mom and dad just to, you know, leave your three-month-old in the crib while you go out to to the club and party. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so the idea of rights is, is, is really strong here. And the idea of rights in many ways strengthens uh, the Catholic argument regarding uh, the fully giving of oneself uh, to to his or her spouse, right? To the husband and wife, fully give of one another uh, to to create this child because that child has a right to a mom and a dad, right? Right. Absolutely. That's created in that procreative act. If, yeah, Mr. Crawl. I mean, I'm co-signing that. That's some. That's very real. And um, you know, the, this this conversation that we're having, I, I think it may sound grating to. Um, the parents who are having infertility and turn to something like this just to to try and 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 have a child, but the the reality is is that this this process really turns children into a commodity. And I'm I'm glad mm -hmm. that the, the Holy Father spoke out against this uh, earlier this week and said, you know, this is this is something we should fight against. This is something that should be completely banned everywhere. 
Yeah, and he was he was spot on. I mean, he had a he had a, there are so many quotable moments in that speech. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, with how he talks about how the human unborn child does not uh, does not deserve to be commodified, right? Uh, deserves uh, to be respected with you know human dignity, and so. In many respects, I, I think for many folks, it, it, it probably kind of shocked them that they were like, what? How's surrogacy? Why is the Pope speaking out against surrogacy? You know, doesn't surrogacy help produce babies? You know, uh, so forth and so on. And again, I, I, I think it's good. And I think it's also good because in, in many respects, our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters are beginning to sort of discover this mm. reality as well. Um, when it comes to in vitro fertilization and surrogacy, um, that this is not so grand, mm-hmm. right? And so there are these commodifications that take place on with respect to both the surrogate mother, who's just m- merely treated as an in- incubator, if you will, and, and the unborn child, which is seen as a product. You know, am I getting the best child for my money? You know, so it's funny, Mr. Crawl, that you mentioned that because – I uh, whenever this comes up in conversation, sometimes you get people upset about it and it always kind of shocks me because it's the same crowd that accuses the right of wanting the handmaid's tale of wanting to create a situation where uh, women are just incubators for babies and uh, there's no uh, love or care for women. And yet they're the ones that want to commodify the woman's body to turn them into something that you can buy and sell. And so you're buying, you're renting the womb of a woman in order to purchase a child. And that's how that's not slavery, how that's not akin to slavery or akin to the handmaid's tale is absolutely just beyond me. The other thing that you were, when you were talking that kind of piqued my interest was that just because something has a good end does not mean the means to which is good. I think this is most obvious in the case, and we bring it up all the time in pro-life issues when people say, what about cases of rape and incest? Well, we recognize that the child itself is good. Of course, the child has an immortal, has an eternal soul, will live on, hopefully will go to heaven, and will live for eternity in the beatific vision, and praise be to God. Now, we, of course, then would condemn with the utmost condemnation the acts, the means to which the child was conceived. And so, too, we would say the same thing with surrogacy, the same thing with IVF. Yeah, of course, the child that's there is good, is wonderful, and we would love the child. We want to take care of the child. We want to give everything that we can to help that child be the best it can be. But at the same time, we have to condemn the means. Is that right, Mr. Crawl? That's absolutely on point and a very concise way of putting it. Um, The the fact is, is... Yes, you know, you, you can't, <laughs> you just simply cannot, uh, 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 morally speaking, it, it's not justifiable to, you know, intend the good, but to have evil means to achieve that good. Um, the, the simple fact is, is that doesn't fly in morality. And, and this is the case with when it comes to both surrogacy and IVF. Uh, the means do not justify the ends at this, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Now, the last thing before we run out of time is what about the legal issues here? How can we prog- uh, to move forward to try to get these things banned? What is the situation, legally speaking, throughout the U.S.? 
Uh, legally speaking, uh, most states, the vast majority of states allow for what are called gestational contracts, which is just the legal term for uh, surrogacy. Uh, I think in, in many respects, uh, the only state right now that uh, that outlaws it is uh, Michigan, as a matter of fact. Um, I think in many cases, the Europeans are far ahead uh, than further ahead than us uh, with respect to uh, some countries actually banning outright banning surrogacy because they, they they also see it as a woman's right issue that you you commodify the woman. Uh, I think in some respects, we're going to have to to look at ways in which we can limit these gestational contracts uh, in the foreseeable future. Wow. Wow. So there you go. That's a major problem that only one state has any laws restricting this. So let's start advocating. Let's start making this an issue. Uh, they have, we have a lot of, of issues in the pro-life movement to fight for. Here's another one that we can add to our list of things to fight for because it is a pro-life issue and something that we need to fight against. Now, Mr. Kroll, where can people keep up to date with what's going on in your world? Yeah, you know, the, the, the easiest way to get in touch with us is uh, we have our Twitter account. Uh, just type in Society of St. Sebastian uh, and give us a follow. There you go. Look it up there. Society of St. Sebastian. You can find them on Twitter. You can find them on Facebook. And so check it out. Society of St. Sebastian. God bless you. God love you, Mr. Crawl. God bless. All have right. A great day. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Adam Bly with the Spirit World will be joining us. We're going to talk about the spiritual battle. Yeah. Yep. We're going to talk about this and much, much more coming up right after this. Guadalupe Radio Network announces the launch of La Promesa Legacy Circle, formed to recognize and honor our dedicated donors who have made long-term commitments to the network through gifts from their estates. We invite you to join our family and allow us to be a part of your personal legacy. For more information on making a legacy gift for the benefit of the GRN and a guide to charitable estate planning, contact our friends at the Catholic Foundation at 972-661-9792 or info at catholicfoundation.com. If you're like me, you like movies, and you like movies with good messages and meaning. For anyone who's seen the 1984 Karate Kid movie, know of an infamous scene in which the protagonist confronts his mentor about doing chores around his house. But the mentor reveals to our protagonist that the chores actually taught him the very values of karate which he sought to learn. That was a manifestation to the protagonist, Daniel. Today for Epiphany, we celebrate this type of manifestation where Christ breaks more and more into our world so that we can encounter him, be filled with his life and goodness, and find a deeper meaning that we long for but we lose because of the chores in daily life. This week, I'd like for us to be challenged to think of how we are called to manifest Christ more and more into the world. It is good to be close to Christ. It is good to celebrate the lights that guide the Magi to the manger scene and the theme that comes from St. Paul where the Gentiles are co-heirs to the kingdom of heaven. We are called to be that guide and light. We are called to be those people to reach out to the Gentiles of today. How do we manifest Christ? Let us pray that we follow 
the example of all the great saints to make sure Christ is present in our world by his manifestation, by our hands, by our words, and by our charity. Two Minutes to Virtue is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Arlington, Virginia. For more information, visit their website, arlingtondiocese.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be on with you today. It's always good to be with you. But it's especially good to be with you during Epiphany Tide, celebrating the three Magi coming in. You know, someone told me the other day, they said, you know, I was reading a translation of the three kings and... (laughs) They said they found a translation that were translated as the three wizard kings. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe not that one. Maybe we'll avoid that translation. <laughs> the three magi. Okay. Okay. That's kind of a popular culture. I kind of would like to stick with three kings. It has less of a explanation needed when having a discussion with people. The three wizard kings. That sounds terrible. Well, have you seen the documentary about it? It's called no. The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Gandalf. Were there three wizard kings in, in Lord of the Rings? Uh, there were two. There were, Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf five. the White. There were five wizard kings. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So there you go. All right. <laughs> Why did I bring this up? Oh, yeah, because I was talking about Epiphany. They got completely sidetracked there. Okay, so Epiphany. And during the season of Epiphany, what did the three kings do? They brought gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh to our Lord Jesus Christ, the gold symbolizing the kingship of Christ, the incense symbolizing him as God and sacrifice, and the myrrh symbolizing him as, well, actually the myrrh is the one that symbolizes sacrifice, his symbolizing his death and burial. So that's what we should meditate upon during Epiphany Tide, but also the idea of giving gifts. And here's a good idea for a gift you could always go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and buy a raffle ticket as a gift for someone else we're doing a pay it forward campaign and you can actually buy a ticket for somebody else where they can actually win a brand new car so just go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and you can pay it forward and get a ticket for someone else to have an opportunity to win a brand new car it could be a very cool Epiphany Tide gift. Joining us right now is Adam Bly. Adam Bly with The Spirit World, airing every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing great. Praise be to God. I'm uh, feeling a little under the weather today, but other than that, you know, it's too blessed to be stressed. So how are you, Adam? Good. I'm excellent. We're uh, just starting the new year, so, you know, coming back from the holidays and just catching up on everything, but it's going well. So I'm happy and glad to be alive. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Now, Adam, what's on the docket for Spirit World this Saturday? Well, Adrian, this Saturday, we're going to talk about Mary and her various roles in terms of deliverance and kind of transformation in general in life. And and by that, I mean um, the different titles of Mary 
kind of emphasize different ways she can be helpful to us. And what I've seen over the years is as people are struggling with different kind of types of issues or issues, whether it's in deliverance, but sometimes even just in the family uh, and full-blown exorcisms too, the various titles of Mary become really important. And so we're going to kind of do a deeper dive on the various ways we can relate to Mary and ways we can ask for her help. Mm, Amen. That's wonderful. And, you know, thinking about Our Lady, I have a particular devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. I love Our Lady of Fatima. I think she's absolutely the, the apparition for our times. And one of the things about the Fatima story is that Francesco and Jacinta advanced in holiness with great rapidity during the apparitions. They went from whenever they wanted to pray the Hail Mary, saying Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, because they wanted to go and play, to doing intense penances for the salvation Mm -hmm. of souls. And many commentators have made the point that the school of the Blessed Virgin is the surest, quickest, and easiest path to holiness, and not just holiness, but to the heights of holiness uh, what say you, Adam Bly? I think certainly she she can be. I think God can reach out to us in various ways, depending on our personality and how God has created us. Um, but Mary has so many pathways within her in terms of the way she is related with people and different aspects of her life that we can kind of connect with, that for many people, Mary is is the solution. And being, you know, the Queen of Saints, Um, she kind of contains uh, all of the possible saintly attributes of the different saints. And so we can connect with particular saints, but sometimes we can just go to her um, and get everything that we need. I agree with you. Fatima is an amazing story. Now, Um, Adam, what about you personally? Do you have a particular devotion to a particular title or apparition or um, different kind of um, understanding of Our Lady? Well, it would be Our Lady of Sorrows, Mm. because um, there's a promise. So you you probably know this, Adrian, but there are specific promises that are given uh, by Mary when she introduces different titles. There's usually a list of promises that she gives and says, you know, if you honor me under these titles, God has allowed that these particular favors will be given to you or graces will be given to you. And the title, Our Lady of Sorrows, when she introduced it, there are more than 10, I don't remember off the top of my head, different promises of different assistance and grace in life. But one of them is protection from the evil one. Mm. And so in the work, you know, I, I, I attend exorcisms every week and, you know, I'm assisting and, and coaching and training in that area. I'm not a priest. Some people don't know me. Um, I'm a lay person, but I'm a church decreed expert in that and that is the one title of Mary where she promises protection from the evil one. And so, you know, in the work that, that I'm involved in every week, that's a particular, uh, of particular interest. And, you know, we, we tend to pray in the afternoons, and we often pray on Fridays. And so if you think about it, you know, Our Lady of Sorrows really intensely, there was a lot of sorrow leading up to his death, but after his actual death, we see all those stories how the apostles are kind of beside themselves and they don't know what to do and everybody is just kind of crushed for a number of days until he's resurrected and they realize, oh, you know, 
um, we maybe didn't understand everything he said, and, and they're rejoicing. So really, Our Lady of Sorrows, in terms of us thinking about it during the week, really goes from his death on Friday until his resurrection on Sunday. And so, because we're usually praying at that time, you know, it's a particular time to ask for her intervention. And I've just seen wonderful fruits in terms of deliverance uh, through honoring her by, by that title. Wow. Wow. Yes. I, I mean, I don't have any experience in that in particular, but I have had much experience with people meditating upon, meditating upon Our Lady of Sorrows and advancing in holiness. And I think the reason why that is, is certainly because of a particular grace of Our Lady. But on a purely natural level, when you recognize that it was your sins that wounded the heart of Christ and which wounded the heart of Our Lady, like Fulton Sheen talks about that at the foot of the cross that she was dealt a death blow to her heart that would take the rest of her life for, to actually carry out. It just strikes you in recognizing this most beautiful, most perfect of mothers who loves you so dearly that you offend her heart. It just makes you want to be good. It makes you want to refrain from offending her. Uh, do you find that experience, Adam? <clears throat> yes. And it's hard, Adrian, like to connect to that idea that it's not only the sins of the world, but our particular sins um, that Jesus was thinking about overnight in that cell that he was thinking about when he was taking those steps towards the cross, that she knew he was doing this for us and for that redemption, and she was thinking about it as she watched him on the cross. That's a, that's a heavy thing, but as you say, <clears throat> it's a powerful thing, and it's something that if we can bear it and meditate on it, it will help us because we see the weight of sin. We see the reality of sin versus the glamour of it and the short-term pleasure. It's a way to like open our eyes. And so it's not about being morose and sad, but it's about opening our eyes to the reality of sin. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a really good observation. And then one thing, I mean, bringing it back to Our Lady of Fatima, because I just love Our Lady of Fatima so much. There is the, the miraculous pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima that was sculpted at the direction of Sister Lucia. And it traveled here into the States. And while it was in Louisiana, it started shedding tears. And many people speculated why it shed tears. It was around the time when Roe v. Wade was first passed to begin with. So many people speculated it was because of that. But ultimately, we don't know. But it's interesting to have that connection between Our Lady of Sorrows and Our Lady of Fatima. Because Our Lady of Fatima said that more souls go to hell because of sins against purity and i think about our times being so much worse than they were in 1917 especially in the category of purity uh, what say you adam what is the role of our lady in making us pure well <clears throat> of course she is you know ever virgin and so through the nature of being conceived without original sin she was able to rise above a lot of the you know basically all the temptations that we deal with she observed them in other people but she didn't experience them in the same way and so she becomes a model that while as human beings we can't be exactly the same but we can see the gold standard and so it gives us kind of a, a metric or a frame by which to compare ourselves to, not to feel bad about it, but to say, you know, that would be my goal, uh, is to stay pure. And yes, I agree. I think in the work that I've done over the years, 
attacks on purity is a big way that the the enemy gets into people's lives and gets control over them because we tend to kind of lose our head and we don't think rationally when we we become impassioned, which is probably why the saints warn us against allowing our passions to get out of control and use the rational mind instead because once the passions are inflamed, we kind of tend to to kind of, you know, lose perspective and make rash choices. And I think Mary being humble and obedient uh, is the solution to that. So for sure, she's the place to go. When you're struggling with purity, pick up your rosary and say a decade of the rosary. And often by then, the passions have subsumed and you're able to make a rational choice. Mm, yes. Amen. Amen. And I know there is a, a practice that's, that's done on rosary beads where it's called the, the chaplet uh, during times of temptation. And you pray, Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us to have recourse to the um, through the chaplet, which is just a rosary. And you just pray that over and over again mm-hmm. as a way during times of temptation. I find that to be an excellent devotion during times of temptation. Now, Adam, we're just about out of time. Uh, where can people keep up to date with you and where can people tune in to the spirit world and hear more about the Blessed Virgin, especially in regards to the spiritual warfare? Well, I have an informational website for people, religiousdemonology.com, that has basic information on it. Um, you know, and there's some books that are written there that are linked. And then, of course, we do the, the Spirit World radio show every weekend on the Guadalupe Radio Network, but it's also carried on EWTN globally, which is, that's a wonderful gift. Um, and so, yeah, they can also find the podcasts for the Spirit World online, all the recordings of the previous shows. So, yeah, and kudos to, to Debbie, my co-host. She has done a wonderful job. She conceived the show in the beginning, and it is, uh, you know, it's just done, it's done great, and uh, she's really the architect behind it. Oh, well, thank you very much, Adam. God bless you. God love you. And I look forward to hearing about uh, this on Saturday. But uh, if not, then make sure. Uh, and it's, it will it also be open for calls this Saturday as well? Yes, it will. Awesome. So luckily for you, that number is the same number that we have for the game show coming up. But God bless you, Adam. God love you. And have a blessed rest of your Epiphany Tide. You too. God bless you. God bless your listeners. We're going to go into our Fear and Trembling game show. And here's a pro tip for you. You want to write this number down and put it in your speed dial because it's the same number that you can call in on Saturday to be able to call into the spirit world and ask Adam your questions. So that number, write this down, put it in your speed dial, 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. That's the number to call. And not only can you call in to the Fear and Trembling Game Show and win a prize this week, but you can also use that number to call into the spirit world on Saturday. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. Keep that number on you. Call now. We're taking calls. The phone lines are open. You could be our contestant to win a prize this week. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling Game Show right after this. This is the Pope Paul VI Institute Minute with Dr. Tom Hilgers. The Church spoke directly to me in the challenges of Humana Vitae. My personal and professional life were changed forever. One physician in the book Physicians Healed wrote, quote, Humana Vitae made so much sense, I committed myself to cease providing contraceptive services to promote natural family planning. 
This book has received numerous other testimonies that read like this one about the lives and practices being changed because of the truth of Humana Vitae. The next generation of physicians who have accepted Humana Vitae and have discovered NAPRA technology are making the decision to dedicate their professional career to science that cooperates with natural regulation of fertility. They will not make the same mistakes as my generation, which accepted the birth control pill as a cover-all symptoms measure. The commitment of these new physicians is truly inspiring. Until next time, I'm Dr. Tom Hilgers. For a complimentary gift and more information on the Pope Paul VI Institute, log on to www.popepaulvi6.com. Hi, Julie Carrick here, host of We Sing Our Faith, sharing the music and ministry of many of today's Catholic recording artists. I am delighted to be the host of this weekly program on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time. Julie Carrick with We Sing Our Faith, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central, here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. So make sure you pick up that phone and dial that number right now, 877-757-9424. I'm looking at the questions today, and I got to say, it's all easy question Tuesday. Yesterday was all hard question Monday, Rudy, but today is all easy question Tuesday, and you can pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424, and you may be asking, Why are you asking for phone calls? What is this thing about questions? Well, here is the trick. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Catholic Drive Time. You're like, Can I get one more coffee cup of divine providence? Sorry. Those we're are gone. gone. But we're going to give you something. I'm going to say a little bit better. I'm gonna, actually, it's better. It's better than the coffee cup of divine providence. It's a beautiful print of the holy face. Ooh. We had a wonderful conversation uh, with uh, a priest yesterday about the holy face devotion from the Martinians. You can check out martinians.org to... Uh, Figure out a little bit more about the Holy Face devotion. Learn about it. Watch that video that we posted on our YouTube page yesterday. But uh, it's going to enkindle this, and I, I pray it does, enkindle this devotion to the Holy Face of Jesus. Praise be to God. Well, there you go. If you like an image of the Holy Face, the Holy Face of Jesus Christ, then you could win that. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And here's some good news for you. I'm checking the phone lines right now, and it looks like we have 
an opportunity for the next person to have a chance to win this prize. So if you would like an image of the holy face of Jesus, then all you have to do is pick up the phone and dial that number 877-757-9424. Dial that number right now and it could be you. You could be the person who walks away this week with an image of the holy face. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call and you could actually be a winner. So make sure you keep that number on your speed dial and you can always call on early and wait on hold. We'd love to have you. It would be a great time. So if you don't know the number, if you haven't heard it enough times, if you would like to keep it in your speed dial, let me give it to you one last time. All right. Just one last time. 877-757-9424. Put that number in your speed dial and you can always call in early and wait on hold and you will be able to be our first contestant because you're always going to want to win the prizes that we are giving away. But joining us right now is Rob. Good morning to you, Rob. Good morning. Rob, where are you calling in from? Amarillo. Amarillo. Whoa. Praise be to God. I think that's our first Amarillo game show contest. No, we've had Amarillo car before. I think mm. once before. Because I remember rare, making a though. joke about Amarillo by morning. It is rare. Yeah. It's rare. Yeah. Happy to have you. Rob, what you, where are you off Thank to this you. morning? I'm off to work. Off to work. And Amarillo, what is the, what is work in Amarillo? Is, are, is that oil field territory in, in Amarillo? Yes, we have quite an establishment of oil field and it's also this town's been nicknamed bomb city because of our pantex nuclear plant here oh, I didn't, somehow i didn't know that wow. okay i learned something new today thank you very much rob now um oh, you're welcome are you uh, do you work in the oil field did i did i get it correct this time yes hey amazing Amazing. I always guess, and I'm only right about 20% of the time. About 20% of the time, I'm right every single time. So there you go, folks. There you go. All right, Rob. Are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? I've heard you guys play quite a bit, and so, yes, I'm familiar with it. Perfect. Then you know Rudy can be tricky. I have good news and bad news for you. The good news is it's all easy question Tuesday. The bad news is Rudy is pretty tricky, so... It, who knows? It maybe it maybe it's not all the easy question Tuesday after Rudy's done with it. So are you ready to jump into it, Rob? I am. All right, let's do it. Rudy, question number one for you. I need you to tell me who this person is. I'm going to describe her for you. Okay. She, because your first hint, was a young, consecrated virgin, mm-hmm. often depicted with arrows and an anchor, hmm. and she is the patron saint. Of babies and youth. Hmm. Who is this saint? Okay, I was tempted to say in the beginning, oh, okay, you're talking about St. Apollonia. But then you said, no, it's arrows and an anchor. Mm -hmm. That happens to be St. Philomena. Really interesting story is St. Philomena. I wasn't familiar with her, but uh, St. Philomena is the patron saint of babies and children. Well, there you go. According to Rudy, Rob, it's St. Philomena. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, who was the woman who was a young consecrated virgin, often depicted with arrows and an anchor, and is a patron saint of babies and youth? Rudy says it's St. Philomena. What say you, Rob? Is he right or is he wrong? I'll go with right. 
You're going to go with right. All right, let's find out. Survey says... That is correct, Rob. It is St. Philomena. And yeah, she's really popular. Really known as a miracle worker, especially for people who suffer from infertility. Mm-hmm. She does uh, great miracles there. In fact, at my parish, we have a shrine to St. Philomena. Yeah. And they have all these portraits of babies who have been conceived after doing a novena <gasps> to St. Philomena. Praise be to God. Amen. Now, you Amen. might be wondering, why the anchor? Well, they tied an anchor around her neck and they threw her in the Tiber. But she didn't die from that. She was miraculously saved by angels. So interesting story. I suggest you look it up. Wow. Well, there you go. There you go, Rob. All right, Rob, you did great. You're um, 100% success rate so far. Are you ready for question number two? Yes. I hope you know your dogs because this is what the question is next. And I don't All mean right. your friends. <laughs> Not D-A-W-G. D-O-G. All right, Rudy, question number two for you. The question is, what breed of dog, D-O-G, not D-A-W-G, what breed of dog is used to find victims of avalanches and traditionally wears a small keg of brandy around its neck? Adrian, that sounds made up because we are Catholics, mm. Catholics, mm-hmm. as you said one time. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about dogs, and we don't mean D-A-W-G dogs, we're talking about just regular old dogs. The St. Bernard is the only one that has a sort of Catholic adjacent name to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, if he comes around with a keg of brandy, put me in an avalanche right now. (laughs) 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 All right. You know, my dad, he said he wanted to name a dog D.O.G. And it took me so long to figure out he was just spelling dog. Because he was like, yeah, we'll name it D.O.G. And I was like. Oh, like, what kind of name is Dioji? And he was like, Dioji. And it finally took me forever. I was like, D-O-G. Oh, okay. Got it. All right, dad. You're he's, hilarious. He's from Greece. Classic dog joke. Class, <laughs> classic dad joke. There you go. All right, Rob. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what breed of dog is used to find victims of avalanches and traditionally wears a small keg of brandy around its neck? Rudy says it's a St. Bernard. What say you, Rob, from Amarillo? I think Rudy's correct again. Again? Who goes with Rudy twice Think in a of row? another Catholic dog. <laughs> uh, we're going to go to the answer. Survey says... I was hoping <laughs> that by the time he did that, I would think of another Catholic dog, but I can't think I of I don't anything. think there's any other yeah, Catholic dogs. There you go. Oh, way to go, Rob. Did you know that answer ahead of time, or did you need Rudy to give you that answer? I think I had a pretty good idea of what the answer was going to be. Yeah, you see those classic pictures with the, the St. Bernard with the keg around his neck. I didn't know that's what was in the keg, though. <laughs> I always, like, I don't know, for some reason, I guess because I saw it when I was a child, I thought it was hot chocolate. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, I guess it's kind of silly thinking about it now, but I always thought it was a, a keg of, uh, of hot chocolate. But, well, yeah. it'll warm you up, all right. Yeah, there you go, I guess. <laughs> all right, Rob, are you ready for question number three? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Question number three for you, Rudy. Who is buried in the Valley of Moab? Are you talking about Utah? Moab, Utah? Um, maybe. Are you talking about Moab, like, over there like in, in the Middle East? East. <laughs> yeah, more like well, that the Middle narrows East, it down. Okay. If you're talking about the Middle East, which mm-hmm. I think you are. Probably. It's Moses. It's Moses. He never made it. He never made it. He never made it to the Promised Land. He didn't make it to the Promised nope. Land. Nope. 
Mm-mm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Rob, I don't know if you are up to date with your Bible, if you did the Bible in the Year podcast with my father, Mike Schmitz, or not. But 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, who is buried in the Valley of Moab? Rudy says, it's Moses. What say you, Rob? Well, I'm not sure about that one. I, I'm going to say Rudy's being honest all day today, so I'm going to say he's right. Wow. Three for three of Rudy is right. That's a bold guess. All right. Let's see. Survey says... That is correct. <laughs> oh, way to go. Um, Rudy not being tricky today. I think he was tricky by not being tricky, to be honest. <laughs> way to go, Rob. Yeah, I, How do you feel? He, I think he just didn't want to go to confession this week. <laughs> <laughs> way to go. Praise be to God. You did a great job. And sure enough, three for three. So stay on the line. Let's make sure we get your contact information so we can send you a prize should we draw your name out on Friday. But God bless you. God love you. And maybe, just maybe... I'll be in Amarillo by the morning. All right. God bless you, Rob. Thank you. We're going to go to the after show. You can join us. Look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube. Catholic Drive Time on YouTube. And you can join us. Leave a comment. And I'd love to get an interaction with you. Know what your questions, comments, or concerns are. And we'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Just leave a comment down below. We'd love to interact with you directly. Catholic Drive Time on YouTube. If not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. 
May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Attend to the pleas of your people with heavenly care, O Lord, we pray, that they may see what must be done and gain strength to do what they have seen. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first book of Samuel. Hannah rose after a meal at Shiloh and presented herself before the Lord. At the time, Eli the priest was sitting on a chair near the, deer, near the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In her bitterness, she prayed to the Lord, weeping copiously, and she made a vow, promising, O Lord of hosts, if you look with pity on the misery of your handmaid, if you remember me and do not forget me, if you give your handmaid a male child, I will give him to the Lord for as long as he lives. Neither wine nor liquor shall he drink, and no razor shall ever touch his head. As she remained long at prayer before the Lord, Eli watched her mouth, for Hannah was praying silently. Though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli, thanking her drunk, said to her, How long will you make a drunken show of yourself? Sober up from your wine. It isn't that, my Lord, Hannah answered. I am an unhappy woman. I have had neither wine nor liquor. I was only pouring out my troubles to the Lord. Do you think, do not think your handmaid is a near-do-well? My prayer has been prompted by my deep sorrow and misery. Eli said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She replied, Think kindly of your maidservant, and left. She went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and no longer appeared downcast. Early the next morning they worshipped before the Lord, and then returned to their home in Ramah. When Elkanai had relations with his wife Hannah, the Lord remembered her. She conceived, and at the end of her term bore a son, whom she called Samuel, since she had, since she had asked the Lord for him. The Word of the Lord. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. I have swallowed up my enemies. I rejoice in my victory. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. The bows of the mighty are broken, while the tottering gird on strength. The well-fed hire themselves out for bread, while the hungry batten on spoil. The barren wife bears seven sons, while the mother of many languishes. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. The Lord puts to death and gives life. He casts down to the netherworld, he raises up again. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He humbles, he also exalts. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. He raises the needy from the dust, from the dunghill he lifts up the poor to seat them with nobles and make a glorious throne their heritage. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior.
Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Receive the word of God not as the word of men, but as it truly is the word of God. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to Capernaum with his followers, and on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As we begin this ordinary time, we start with, in the, in the first reading, the first book of Samuel. Yesterday we'd have, we'd have heard the beginning. And the very beginning of the first book of Samuel focuses on the origin of Samuel, who becomes this really tremendous prophet in Israel. Uh, and also from him, of course, is anointed Saul, and then finally King David, who becomes really the, 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 the main king in the Old Testament. But we see that the beginnings are very similar to something like John the Baptist. There's, there's certain parallels where Hannah is, has not been able to have children, and she goes into the temples, we hear in that first reading, in order to pour out, really, to cry out to God for his mercy, for, for him to hear her, to hear her cry and her desire for a child. And it's interesting that Eli, who is supposed to be, he was sitting at the temple door, uh, is probably watching people as they come in and so on and so forth. He is the one who should know the, the Lord, should know his people, and yet he thinks that Hannah is somehow drunk and out of her mind. So he turns and says, like, what are you doing here? You know, get it over with. And she must have seemed like she was making a scene. But get on with it and, get, and go on out. And it's that, that where Hannah responds that she really is pouring out her troubles to the Lord. I have a dear friend of mine who goes through many, has gone through many, many different struggles. And she continuously seems to pour out her prayers to the Lord constantly. And I'm always amazed how God answers. In fact, when we look at the when that, we look at the, the gospel, the gospel of Mark, which we're beginning that first chapter. When you read the first chapter of Mark, one of the words that keeps coming out, although it's not in the in the translation that we have for the liturgy uh, for the mass, but is that word immediately. So even in this reading, it would say that Jesus comes to the synagogue and immediately there's a man who comes with an unclean spirit. But this word immediately. In the first chapter of Mark, I think occurs something like six or seven times, immediately. 
And somehow when God answers, it is immediate. Now, he may not, he may not seem to take a long time to answer, but when he answers, it is something immediate. It happens. And I think that's what Mark wanted to capture in his gospel. When this unclean spirit comes, or this man with an unclean spirit, Jesus says, quiet, come out of him, and it's done. It comes out of him with a great show. And the people are amazed. What is this a new teaching? He says, he speaks, and it happens. Of course, we, when we pour out our prayers, we pour out our petitions before the Lord, we have to have that trust and confidence, like Hannah, that he does indeed hear us. He will answer us according to his will and his way. He will answer, and he will answer speedily. He will answer immediately. But it may not be immediate to us. Was that saying, and I think it's St. Paul, for the Lord, a day, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. When he comes, when the Lord is ready and he answers, he will. And we should have that trust and confidence that he answers us. May the Lord, as we begin this holy season of ordinary time, may we see the extraordinary ways that God answers us in our prayers. And as we pour out our hearts before him to know that he will answer us and he will answer us immediately to give us all the good that we need to be holy and to glorify him now and forever. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, gathered as one to celebrate the good things we have received from our God, let us ask him to prompt in us prayers that are worthy of his hearing. For Pope Francis and for Michael, our bishop, and for all the clergy, with the people entrusted to their charge, let us pray to the Lord. For those who hold public office and those who assist them in promoting the common good, let us pray to the Lord. For those who travel by sea, land, or air, for captives, for all held in prison, pray too for all those who suffer persecution for their faith. Let us pray to the Lord. For all of us gathered in this sacred place, by faith and devotion, and by love and reverence for God, as we pour out all of our prayers and petitions before him, we know the Lord hears us and will answer us according to his holy will. Let us pray to the Lord those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, all here present, let us pray to the Lord. May the petitions of your church be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, so that, what, that we may receive from your mercy what we cannot ask out of confidence in our own merits, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth, work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May your people's oblation, O Lord, find favor with you, we pray, that it may restore them to holiness and obtain what they devoutly entreat through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, in him you have been pleased to renew all things, giving us all a share in his fullness. For though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, and by the blood of his cross brought peace to all creation. Therefore he has been exalted above all things, and to all who obey him has become the source of eternal salvation. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, united, govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here, whose faith and devotion are known to you, for them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls, in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers, we, in all things, we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family, order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, as Almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, 
broke the bread and gave it to his disciples saying take this all of you and eat of it for this is my body which will be given up for you In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who those sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer to the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I'm not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love Thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? 
Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart, with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore, Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. Humbly we ask you, Almighty God, be graciously pleased to grant that those you renew with your sacraments may also serve with lives pleasing to you through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. May he let his face shine upon you and show you his mercy. Amen. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Amen. May and may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, et spes nostra salve. A te clamamus, exules filii hebe, a te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hac lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.